Yes, guys, what is good? You are tuned into Pi Radio, Manchester's number one youth-led radio station. My name's Gerns, and welcome back to another episode of Mango Masala. I'm joined here by Halima in the studio. I'm going to say what I always say. What's up, guys? <laughs> well, you know, some people need a catchphrase. I just think if that's going to be a catchphrase, you need to, what's it called? Give a bit more oomph. Add a bit, like, embellish it. Like, well, I can't because... So I was just telling Carlos, I've just come on my period, literally mm. just as I was leaving the house. And, yeah, I, I can't. I just can't. Like, I'm just absolutely cream-crackered, guys. Um, Do you want to speak into it more, like... Oh. Like that. Can <laughs> everyone hear me? Yeah, that's much better. I was just complaining about my period. Yeah, um, so I was going to say, I both of us are feeling a bit icky. So, Halima, you're going to go first. Just tell the people why you're feeling icky. Okay, well, first of all, guys, <laughs> yesterday I went to Durham because my um, sister needs to renew her passport. And there's only like four passport offices in the whole of the UK. There's like Liverpool, Durham, London and Belfast. I don't understand why they don't have more passport offices, first and foremost. Yeah. Secondly, like obviously Liverpool is the one that we usually go to, but um, they don't have any appointments. And my family want to go on holiday like in the next two weeks or something, so... Durham. classic last minute journey right right so durham was like the only one that had appointments it's a two and a half hour journey like one way so i was already like i'm gonna have to drive five hours can't be bothered tell me why it took like nearly five hours to get there it was ridiculous it was nearly five hours just one way to get there because there was we needed to go like two motorways so the m62 and then the a1 and both of them had crashes um and it was just like we were supposed to have gotten there by like 2 p.m we ended up getting there at 4 p.m. And the appointment was at 3 p.m. <laughs> uh, so did you manage to get an appointment? Yeah, like luckily they were like, they were good. And they were like, yeah, like we'll still see you. Um, And in the, in the end, it was literally 10 minutes. Like We was in the passport office, well, max mm. like 15, 20 minutes when we were in the passport, passport office. So I'd, we drove like seven and a half hours yesterday to be in the passport office for 15 minutes. It was so <sighs> jarring, so jarring. Um, so I'm already like very very tired from that. I, like, traveling is really tiring. I don't know if you feel the same way, but like, when any time I have to take a long journey, it really like just takes it out of me. Where were you driving? I was driving. Yeah, mm. I was driving. That's the thing, though. Would you prefer to be the person in the driver's seat or the person in the passenger? Well, my friend went with me, and they drove like half halfway on the way there. Yeah, I don't. I prefer to be the passenger. I'm not gonna lie. Because really? Then yeah. I, I actually think I prefer to be the driver because at least then you've got something to do. What I hate is being travelling and not having anything to do and just being bored. Like, I hate being in the, pa- I hate being in the oh, passenger really? seat because I'm just sitting in the back, just like, apart from if I can get to sleep, in which yeah. case, fair enough. But if not, I just find it so boring. Like. For me, it's like, because of my ADHD, yeah, like, I find it, obviously, I find it really hard to concentrate. So when I'm driving, I, it takes, like, especially if I'm driving, like, two and a half hours nonstop, it's so hard. It's so difficult for me to like keep in one place or like just to keep my eyes. Cause okay, I, I drive really fast. Like I, I drive really, really fast. So like, especially if you're driving really fast, you need to be like hyper vigilant. And I just really struggle with that. Cause my, mm. my concentration is just not there. So like, I find it especially taxing because not only am I like driving, physically driving, but then I, the concentration that, that I need to drive, it's just a lot for me. 
Uh, so and also like when you're in the passenger seat you get to kind of like and like you get to be an orc you know you get to do karaoke you get to eat uh like, lucky, lucky driver whoever that was that got to listen to the karaoke do you know what i mean mm. like yeah so i was already really tired and i woke up this morning and i gave him one period i can't be bothered i'm just not feeling good guys this is one thing that i wanted to ask on that topic so this is like an interesting debate obviously i'm not really in a position to debate it but i'm just curious as to what you think as someone as someone as someone who menstruates yeah Uh, so do you think that there should be like okay maybe not because the average is like five days that you're on your period right so maybe do you think that maybe like three days for the worst three days that it is for most people do you reckon that that should be allowed as like like extra sickly for people who menstruate I, I yeah like i think i think it's hard to regulate because it's like some women get like really terrible pain and some women don't get anything yeah. and so and then and then you know everyone is kind of like an in-between mm. uh, like it is very much a spectrum i personally get really really bad pain um and i get quite heavy periods as well so like my my periods like from from like from young um amongst like all my female friends and stuff they've always been like looking at me and like oh my god like you're so unlucky like your periods are like you know because they even a lot of my female friends don't go through like what i go through with like my period um so it's hard to like regulate because you can't tell just by looking at someone like you can't it's not something that you can prove like unless you want to see like my dirty like bloody like and i feel like whilst i can imagine you being like yeah here you go yeah but, like I've a lot of people would be like no exactly thank you. exactly so like it's kind of hard to f- prove but absolutely there needs to be like something needs to be done because okay so obviously i'm in case people don't know super anemic very oh, anemic yeah. <laughs> As, okay yeah like so. i'm very I'm, I'm like i always say this to people and people think i'm joking or like i'm taking the mic but recently like last month i had a blood test um and so the regular um iron count in a healthy human being is between 115 and um 165 mine's 80 mm. and like you know what like i'm struggling to do is like why is that not being like flagged before how is that not being noticed like, no i've always had anemia i've always had anemia oh so like, you've always you already known it. i've always known that's it. what your most recent blood test is yeah that's what my, yeah, okay. yeah 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 so, so i can imagine it. when you're um exactly period, that's even more like exactly yeah. like i'm losing blood but i don't even like i'm losing iron i don't even have iron to lose like what is my body doing to me so for me like i sometimes get days where i'm so physically weak as like i can't lift my arm up like I'm, mm. i'll literally be in bed and i can't lift my arm up like when i when i've been at uni and stuff because obviously i've not like done i've not worked professionally properly properly yet um so whenever i've been at uni and stuff like that there have been days where like okay i wouldn't go in anyway but like even if i wanted to like i just couldn't go in yeah i physically physically cannot lift myself out of bed some days um especially with the anemia like you're just dizzy all the time like you're sick and there are so many symptoms of periods that people like people know cramps that you get stomach cramps you get back cramps me for example i'll my knees will hurt the soles of my feet will hurt um you get i get like migraines and stuff um there's so many things like you're bloated your appetite is all over the place i'm my hormones are like crazily affected like my family because obviously i think i spoke last week about the fact that i have anger issues right and obviously that's like is kind of 
really exacerbated like for me the worst time just in my life is when I'm on my period or when I'm PMSing because I have anger issues already and then when my hormones are all over the place it's just a recipe for disaster and like my family obviously because they've dealt with it their whole life they kind of like know how to deal with it now and they like kind of joke around and stuff and they'll just joke like when I'm when I'm PMSing to, just to not go near me like to not talk to me to not go near me to not like someone will like come next to me and I'll, all I'll have to say is I'm on my period or I'm PMSing and they'll just be like okay yeah they'll just they'll leave semi-joke but then at the same time it's also like they have to joke yeah. about it because otherwise like <laughs> it'll probably be unbearable for them but mm. it's it's really like it's not good it's not good um yeah. and i feel like not not enough is, un- is is understood about it so you know like um period pain like the worst period pains feel like a heart, they're like as painful as a heart attack mm, i didn't know about yeah they're as painful as a heart attack um some period contractions are the same as like labor contractions like it's just it's it's so bad this is the thing i think like as well like you see um i think in general women probably do there's you know what's so mad about it as well right is that there's all these gender stereotypes where it's like oh don't be like a sissy about it right but when you think about it i think i would go as far as to say that women probably because of um women are largely people that go Mm -hmm, um, menstruate mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they um probably have a higher pain threshold pain threshold and yeah because i've noticed that as well me like i i don't think i have a very high pain threshold because i know like if someone like for example like pinches me or something Mm. like i just get so like irritated even though it doesn't like hurt for that long like i'm just immediately like annoyed by it straight away whereas obviously when you've been going through that for like a quarter to like a fifth of a month every Mm -hmm. month since Mm -hmm. you hit Mm -hmm. puberty Mm -hmm. like there's I, like, I can kind of imagine, like, pain not being as, like, the, Your pain threshold is just, is just high, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, it, and honestly, it annoys me that men don't understand. Because men will be like, oh, well, well, if you hit someone in, in their testicles, like, it's, it's, it's also painful. But, like, you don't get punched in the testicles yeah. every second for, for five days yeah. a, a month, every month. Literally. Also, you know when people try to say, what's more painful, getting kicked in the... Um, testicles or childbirth i'm literally like are you joking (laughs) like i actually don't understand how you could possibly if you know what childbirth entails how Uh could you how could you possibly Uh compare the two obviously like it's not very nice and you should you should never kick someone down (laughs) there because obviously you're damage you're you're risking damaging their ability to reproduce however that pain as bad as it might be it's gonna it's gonna go away like it and even if i don't know because i've never been kicked that hard down there before but from when i have done i know the pain is temporary it might hurt for a few days if it's extra bad but like it's not like exactly and pregnancy like can irrevocably like change your body Mm. like some women like they'll get like their hair will fall out not come back their teeth will fall out not come back their body changes color like their body their their skin their body shape their body size their metabolism their everything changes Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean like it's it's crazy and obviously that's kind of like a more extreme case because not all women give birth but most women do menstruate um and and like it's even that like it's doctors have literally said it's as it's as painful as a heart attack like mm. some period cramps are literally as painful as a heart attack and like i have this male friend who he really thinks that like that like he really wants to do a period simulation because he thinks that period pain is just not that bad 
the thing is with these um, simulations. Oh, like, sorry. He thinks that he can handle it. He thinks that he can handle it. I'm, I'm actually, um, I'm surprised that like that person is your friend. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, but in regards to the simulation, from what I've seen, a lot of them are just like these. Um, they just like literally contract your stomach. Yeah. Like similar to the type of thing that you use, say, like to get abs. So yeah. Like it's basically that, and I'm just like. Sh- I don't think that's what a period No, 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 is, no. Period like... cramps are basically like, so, you know, your uterus lining is breaking down. Mm-hmm. And when you're on your period, um, it's being starved of oxygen and blood. That's what it is. Like, your mm. your uterus is being starved of oxygen and it's contracting. That's what a period pain is. Mm. And, 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 yeah, like, I definitely think, like, um, because this world obviously is not built for women. And the thing is, the thing is, this is the argument I hear a lot as well. Men keep saying that, oh, well, you guys are handling it so it can't be that bad. We handle it because we have no choice because this world is not built for women. Like, if I have, if I, if I say, if like, if I'm a working woman and I have period pains, I know I'm going to get this pain, like, at least for, like, it's usually really bad on like, my first and second days. I know I'm going to have this pain at minimum two days every single month. Am I gonna now take off like two days every single month? Like I can't, I can't do that. Mm. Like my my work would not. There's no workplace that I'm aware of that allows that. Right? Yeah, and they're not about to like rush around you to exactly, try and help. exactly, yeah. exactly. So so women have been socialized to just deal with it. Like they've actually just been socialized mm. to deal with it. Like it's not to say that it doesn't negate how painful the experiences is or how like how bad the experiences is. Just that we have no other choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that reason. Like that's part of the whole reason why I'd say women are probably um do have higher Stronger. pain thresholds. Stronger yeah, and, than strong. men. and like, that's why I really don't get this whole like it's another reason why just this whole like uh don't like act like a girl, don't act mm. like a sissy like sort of thing is like really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well hella strong why we yeah. probably so much. But in terms of the whole the whole uh, sick leave thing, I think if they're not at least gonna implement sick leave, they should at least do I mean to be fair this 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 argument is maybe a little bit moot now because the pandemic has enforced work from home anyway. But there's so many women that have come forward to say like one of their favourite things about working from home has been the fact that they can now menstruate like in the comfort mm. of their home um but i think in in a world you know if, if there's a world where we do end up all going back to the office um i think you know companies and businesses need to start you know enforcing women being able to like work from home where they're able to yeah at least just being flexible around right that whole exactly. idea. or even considering it. i think that's the problem is it's not even a, it's Con- not even yeah. a concern at this it's not point. a consideration no yeah. not at all yeah but yeah, thank you for sharing your reasons why you're feeling icky today. Um, you. Why are you coming, feeling yeah. icky today? <laughs> so um, I am currently here in the studio, um, feeling like a little bit. You know, like you know, like for example, if you've gone out the night before and then you wake up like a little bit hungover. Well, uh, obviously I've not never hungover, been hungover. So that, I, I, I always start saying that. Like, yeah. But like, even if you've gone out like the morning after, I think even if you don't drink, like yeah, you'll feel still a bit feel groggy, a bit like yeah. groggy, like a bit like sweaty, that sort of thing. I didn't go out last night, but I did spend the night with a dog. And before you start saying anything, not talking about my girlfriend. Ah, <laughs> yeah, she, she was there as well. It's so rude. But basically. <laughs> Um, my girlfriend's family got a dog. That a dog is cute. Is. I'm not going to lie. Very cute, cute dog. dog. Shout out to Nala. <laughs> I did tell them not to call it Nala because it's the same name as Zoella's dog. But Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, who knows that exactly. dog? Exactly. That's, that's and also her siblings are like older, so they have to be like, who's Zoella? Who's Zoella, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's called Nala. 
um, or I keep on calling it it as well. She's called now. Oh, <laughs> that's me with our cat. My siblings get so offended. What do you mean it? Yeah, but it is. It's a, yeah. What is the it's equivalent a she. of they? Anyway, Nala. Um, it, today is actually her six month birthday. So oh, happy Na- birthday, yeah, Nala. Nala! Nala, if you're listening, shout <laughs> out to you. But last night, um, a lot of my girlfriend's family were out at various things that they were doing. So my girlfriend agreed to go over and babysit the dog because essentially, although it's six months, it's still growing. Like, yeah. like, and it's still very much. It's it's odd actually because. Although it's six months, there are still so many things about um, the way that it acts that are still very much like puppy light. Mm. And one of them is, um, so Nala spends a lot of time with my girlfriend's sister. Like, I think she's like the main person, like almost like the mother figure to it. Yeah. And she's away at the moment. And that's the main reason why we were she's basically upset. babysitting. And the, yeah, the dog is upset and we have to take it. Um, the, yeah, cheers. The dog basically... Um, sleeps in my girlfriend's sister's room so that's where we were sleeping and you basically have to take the dog up shut the door and then nala the dog is like trying to process the fact i'm trapped in this room i like like she's still trying to she literally goes to the door and like tries to get out and then starts like whining because she can't get out and then it's a whole case of trying to get her to actually go to sleep um, and I was literally like sitting there trying to play like relaxing dog music, <laughs> like turning the lights down, all that, and eventually she calms down. Then you get a bit of sleep, and then literally six o'clock this morning, like woken up by her whining, and then you have to like take her out um, to see if she wants to go to the toilet, that sort of thing. Come back in, like, and it's 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 a taxing process. But then it was really cute because after she came back in, like we basically fell back asleep, and then. Normally she sleeps in this like I want to say cage, but you yeah. know like sort of yeah, like an, yeah. an enclosure type thing. And but when we came back from doing that, she actually fell us back asleep at the foot of the bed, and it was really Aww. nice like, that sort of thing. But sounds like you're just describing a baby. This is exactly what I'm about to say. Like I, it feels like you guys have got. A ch- it's good yeah, practice, it is. but that's what a lot of couples do. Yeah, I mean this is the thing. Like I feel like having a baby would be way harder yeah yeah like yeah. way harder but it's, like so the, it's, it's a step in between yeah. right that's why a lot of couples like they'll get a dog before they'll have a child like mm. for practice mm. you know and and obviously it's different because the baby the different bloody species and different needs yeah. and stuff but that whole thing of like caring like having to like sacrifice your own sleep and your own comfort to like get up and look after something else like yeah but yeah i wasn't even planning on doing it but i ended up staying over there so obviously i woke up and then do you know what the problem with this show is, guys? We're on a Saturday, and when does most of the new music come out? On a Friday. Which, there's no way that we can, like, properly prepare this. It always happens that it comes to new music Friday, the music comes out, and then I'm there rushing within 24 hours trying to get all the music You always like, do a great together. job, Carlos. I know I do a great job, but that's why I was doing this morning. I was literally like, ah, running through, like, trying to sort out all this music. But... Yeah, I didn't have any time to, like, shower, so I've turned up to the studio powered only by deodorant. And also, I'm actually allergic to dogs, um, but I've never... Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've always been um, sceptical of the whole, like, hypoallergenic, is that the way you say yeah. it? That, the whole, that, that thing. But um, I actually don't react that bad to my girlfriend's family dog, so... What, what breed is she? It is a poodle, so that's a mix of a poodle and a beagle. A what? A poodle? Yeah, so a poodle plus oh. beagle. Um, 
yeah, equals very cute. Not gonna lie, but yeah. You know what? This sounds like the like a very convincing ad for contraception. Durex, <laughs> 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 oh, uh, if you want, if you want Spons- an ambassador. <laughs> Hashtag ad. Oh, it does. It sounds like a very very convincing ad, guys. If if you're not stocked up, stocked up, go stock up. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's good practice. Like it's actually, mm. it's, it is actually good. Like you, I'm assuming you and Manka, you want like kids at. Yeah, s- I would like. Point. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm similar to you in the sense I've always been one to one to like settle down earlier on. Like, kids oh really? Yeah. What about Manka? Yes, it's similar sense, but obviously it's always like at the end of the day, it's, it's her it's body. Exactly, that's exactly, the thing. Yeah. So I'm not about to be like, right, you need to have kids. Right, right now, now. Like, I literally can you imagine like I yeah, literally yeah, yeah, slapped yeah. into next week not gonna lie but yeah, like good. but yeah exactly <laughs> good but yeah and then you got Simran over here he's like yeah I've got my 14 year plan yeah, <laughs> that girl is on it that girl is on it I can't lie like yeah you and I were similar like I so I'm about to turn 25 in oh my god less than a month mm-hmm. oh that is vomit inducing that is I just felt a wave of cramps as I, as I realised <laughs> that oh my god <coughs> That is horrid. Um, and honest to God, like, I'm not... My brand has always been, like, like husband and child, husband and child, husband and child. Like, I my, my I was... In my mind, I thought I was going to be settled down. I thought I would have a husband and a child by 23, Carlos. 23. When did you realise that wasn't going to happen? <laughs> when I was 23. <laughs> <laughs> when I, I turned 24, I was no, three months into being 23. And I was like, right, if I don't get pregnant right now, that's it. Um, but my friends, I remember like for my 20, I can't remember one of my birthdays, like my friends literally like on the group chat were messaging like, we've all chipped in and we've got you a husband. <laughs> like that's the kind of jokes that my friends would run because I was so known for like, I've just been broody since I was like 15. But to be fair, like the older you get, like when I was younger, I used to look at like 23 was like, oh my God, that's so old. Like you're mm. such an adult. Like that's like, you're ready at that time. I'm about to be 25 and I still feel like a kid. That that's the thing that I think I always feel older than I am, but I really uh, yeah, but I don't feel like that's old. Do you know what I mean? Like I always, why? How old do you feel? I, like I'd say I I always kind of feel like a year older than I am. Like in advance of turning twenty four, I felt twenty four already. In advance of turning twenty five, now I already feel like twenty five. Like I don't feel like it's gonna feel any different. Well, yeah, because your life doesn't just change in a day. Yeah, like... exactly. But that's the thing. Like the whole the whole of this past year, I could have been twenty five. So you know what I mean? Oh really? Uh, but but I but then I I'm not like oh I'm gonna be twenty five. That's old. That's me. That's how yeah. I think. What I do. What I did have a little bit of a crisis over is that in five years we're going to be turning 30 that's that's a bit um, weird yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that is that yeah. is disgust that is actually oh my god carlos i can't, I can't believe this is happening <laughs> <laughs> i'm like I'm, my youth is gone like my youth, you know like when you're a kid i don't know if you feel the same but like you know when you're a kid mm. you assume that like your whole life is gonna be be like that do you know what I mean? Like, you don't actually think about the fact that like, you don't look at 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds and 70-year-olds and think that, that I'm, that I'm going to be that that one yeah. day. Like, I'm just... In, like, this life stage is temporary. Yeah. You don't think this life is temporary. You actually think that this is... That th- this is... That your worldview is so restricted to your age, right? Yeah. Every day, every second of this radio show, we're getting older and oh older. Oh, my God. And all the listeners, you're getting older. Like we said before, obviously, today is... Independence Day for Pakistan, mm-hmm. and tomorrow is Independence Day for India. Um, yep. And 
this is a big thing like it's a big topic it's a very um there's a lot of there's a lot of everything there's a lot of love there's a lot of hate there's a lot of <laughs> violence there's a lot of yeah. history all mm. up in this mm. um so we're gonna try and delve into it as much as we can do in yeah. the next just over an hour um first of all we're just going to talk a little bit about actual partition itself yeah. um which is why we have independence day basically because well actually no it's why we have pakistan independence i mean like indian pakistan independence day is really um the anniversary of p- partition Mm. Uh, for those who don't know what partition is or like for, for those who are just somehow miraculously listening to this show and know absolutely <laughs> no history about the subcontinent at all um obviously like the subcontinent was like under british rule um and then when they gained independence in 1947 they didn't get so so it was the brits that actually unified like india is is a very much a the subcontinent as we know it is very much a colonial construct because before the Brits were there, it was basically an amalgamation of princely states, you yeah. know, like separate to each other. Like, I mean, there, there's relationships and, and like there was a distinct kind of like geopolitical area, at, you know, which was a subcontinent with very similar languages and cultures and cuisines mm. and all that kind of stuff. But they also had kind of like distinct political systems. Yeah. And, and for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, about like subcontinent, we're talking like roughly the area of where it's today, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. Yeah, South basically. Asia basically, yeah. yeah. Like that's that's what we refer to as a subcontinent. Um so yeah, so then the Brits came and they unified all of these princely states um under the British Raj. Mm. Um like centuries of rule. Because obviously, I mean, the, the British Raj was 1857 to 1947, but then there were like centuries of like, you know, uh, British like monopoly on trade and tax and like political mm. kind of puppeteering and all that kind of stuff. Um, was it cotton the main export of India or was it something else? I've forgotten now. Cotton was one of the f- primary exports, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know what was the main one, but it, I don't know like which one was number one, yeah. but it was it was one of the primary ones, yeah. Um, and... Yeah, so so then obviously they they were they were ruling them over the British Raj, and then when um, the subcontinent eventually gained independence in nineteen forty seven, they didn't gain it as a unified subcontinent. They gained it as Pakistan and India. Mm. Um, that is to say, Pakistan was the Muslim majority country, which is now modern day Pakistan and Bangladesh. Mm. So it was Pakistan East. Um, well, it was East Bengal, which was then East yeah. Pakistan, which was then Bangladesh. Um, and then India in the middle, which was like the Hindu majority. Um, and the reason why partition happened along religious lines was because obviously the two, the, well, the continent were obviously Hinduism, Islam and Sikhism. Um, Sikhism doesn't play as much of a role, I guess, in the story of partition, in, in the story of making partition happen as, as Hinduism and Islam, just because um, Sikh, Sikhism is a very, very um, uh, geographically centered religion. Like mm. Sikhism is native to Punjab, but that's where like almost all the Sikhs in the world are Punjabi. So um, that, 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 that was always kind of the case you know that it wasn't like a it wasn't a migrating population or migrating demographic or for the most part for the most part yeah. exactly yeah um so it, it was basically the way the way that partition happened was people think that this this kind of like tension it basically happened because obviously the Muslims said we want our own homeland that, that is focused on the Muslim population and the Hindus said we want our own homeland that's focused on the Hindu population. And people often have this perception that this, you know, the, the communalism 
um, the communal tensions between Hindus and Muslims is like an age-old hatred. And it's actually not true at all. It's very, very, very much the relationship between Hindus and Muslims, like South Asian Hindus and Muslims right now as being one that is very fraught, is is distinctly a colonial construct because the British ruled through a policy of divide and conquer like they did in Nigeria, like they did in Cyprus, like they did in the mid throughout the Middle East, like that is what the Brits do, they divide and conquer. So essentially what they did was they got to this place with a vast array of cultures and religions and, and, and a wide re- range of like demographics and they thought how can we successfully and, and efficiently govern these people? So essentially what they did was they then, um, like I said, imposed a policy of divide and conquer where they ruled in line with um, religious affiliation. So what they would do is like um, treat their Muslim demographics in a certain way and give them certain concessions and then treat their Hindu demographics in a certain way and give them separate concessions so as to create a distinct identity between the two communities so that, that so that there was like there's difference between them. If there's difference between them, if they can't mobilize between each other they can't mobilize against the brits right Mm. so that's that's essentially kind of what the policy is a very 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 like by the way this is a very diluted and rendered down version of like subcontinental history because yeah (laughs) this is like centuries in in the making and i'm gonna Mm. miss out a lot of things because i can't speak on everything in like an hour um so so essentially yeah that's that the, the the divide and conquer policy like for example really if we look at partition i think the the seeds had been sown from when the Brits were there. And I think mm-hmm. it became a very palpable kind of notion in subcontinent from the partition of Bengal in 1905. Um, so... The Brits partition happened. The official partition happened, but before official partition happened, there was a partition of Bengal that the Brits did in 1905, and then they reversed it in 1911, I believe, from the top of my head. By the and again, this this history is all from the top of my head, so I might get a few things like my facts. Yeah. Actually, no, you know what? No, I'm right. It is 1911. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's 1911. Um, back I back myself. It is 1911. Yeah. Google it if you want, guys. Um, so yeah, they reversed it in 1911 because of the uproar that it caused, and the reason it caused uproar was because obviously, so they they partitioned Bengal as in all of Bengal, so Bangladesh and West Bengal, right? Um, and obviously, Bangladesh like East Bengal is Muslim majority, West Bengal is Hindu majority, and they basically lumped them all in together because they're like, oh, they're all Bengalis, but but because you'd spent centuries treating those two populations differently, giving them mm. both distinct identities that are different to each other, you can't now expect them to be able to live and coexist peacefully in in one place and and essentially like um hindus um formed okay so this is another part of like colonial history the brits created the indian middle class right so they created what was known as like the the intelligentsia and um and the middle class because they needed to have people in india who would um work for the british raj but give the illusion of like solidarity to the natives right mm-hmm. so um and and it, like the bengali hindus what formed a, a big majority like a big percentage of the indian middle class so the bengali hindus they would be given concessions by the british raj um to basically work as like administrators and law enforcers and all that kind of stuff right so they would enjoy certain privileges um but at the same time, it, it basically allowed the Brits to govern through a native kind of like uh, a framework. Mm. 
Um, which is really funny because now when we see people like Priti Patel and Sajid Javid in Parliament, it's essentially the same exact thing where the British, mm. the government, they're giving them, you know, certain concessions, certain allowances, but essentially it's just a means of controlling their community. In our opinion. In my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's very, you see this colonialism, the, the, the structural contingents of colonialism, they're p- absolutely like perverse. Mm-hmm. Like History literally repeating itself. Bro. Mm. Um, anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, yeah, so, so, so basically it was like the, the um, Hindu middle class that had a lot of like political concession, a lot of economic pers- um, concessions because they were like landowners. They had the better jobs, they had more money. And then it was like the Muslim peasants, basically in the east of Bengal, um, who were ruled by the the Muslim, the, the Hindu middle class. Um, and the Muslims had basically made a case that, look, if you're going to like partition Bengal, you need to give um, the Muslims their own like electorate, basically, because you can't put us together because we're different people. Like that is you have emphasized that yourself. Mm. You have created this distinction between us. We're different people. We have different needs. You need to give us a Muslim electorate, basically. Um, and that's at the all the all india muslim league that's how the all india muslim league was created and it was yeah. the all india muslim league that eventually led to well that basically uh championed like partition is it jinnah jinnah yeah, yeah muhammad ali jinnah who's like the pakistanis known him as kedi azam like the founder of pakistan <laughs> uh, you know anam <laughs> like yeah, uh, we yeah. have a mutual friend called anam she's pakistani um she was i was talking about jinnah one time and she was like i don't know who that is but i know who kedi azam is like the founder of pakistan i was like anam they're the same like like anam is a bit like she's a bit ditzy bless her like and i was like anam they're literally the same people but um yeah so they're the same people um and yeah so the all india muslim league was founded and from then it just kind of like snowballed Uh, from then on then it was then you know whenever muslims are getting concessions now the hindus are wanting concessions and the muslims are wanting concessions and the hindus are wanting concessions and you know it it really champion it really like uh accentuated the difference between the two communities and it caused like communalism that was um violent Mm. you know like obviously partition was like the most kind of like aggressive the most violent example of that but communalism was happening way before partition happened in terms of like the violence of it you know there was smaller kind of like gang violence smaller regional violence smaller like villages like fighting muslim villages and hindu villages fighting each other and hindus beating muslims in the street and muslims like beating muslim hindus you know like yeah like i would say like i think the World War Two is the final straw in the camel's back. Right. However, I like you say this communalism and these what they call little, well not coops, what they call little violent like the scraps. Axel- yeah, basically, yeah. have been going on for a long time, even before World War One. Like right. before, still Britain's fault. Right, but like before any of that actually happened. Yeah, the seeds of that were sown a long time, mm. like before it came to a head. But then, obviously. I think, like you say, there had been, like, talks or people wanting the idea of these two separate states, one for Hindus, one for Muslims, because of the um, heavy divide that has been encouraged by the British. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to um, the early 1940s, World War II, Britain had a pretty tough time in terms of, like, them actually winning it like i don't think if america hadn't come in and if they hadn't utilized all the commonwealth as well i don't think and that if it went for the soviets oh yes 
big on the Soviets. <laughs> like it's always it's always like people are like, Oh my god, America, oh my god, America. It was it was Russia, man. I'm not gonna mm. lie. Like, Isn't like lo- lo- a very high percentage of people died in that, didn't they? Of yeah. Soviets. Like don't get me wrong, uh, I can't like uh I can't say the word that I wanna say on, on radio, but like when we, we don't we're not on Stalin's side. Like, okay, we don't like Stalin, but like it was Stalin. Mm. <laughs> it was literally Stalin, like I'm not gonna lie. Um but yeah, sorry. But yeah, like um obviously Britain would basically World War Two washed Britain out completely. That's yep. why if you look at stuff like Windrush, etc., that's why all of that happened because yeah. Britain was literally on its knees after yeah. World War Two. Yeah. It had no form of resources. Mm-hmm. That's why if you notice, like I, I, I like look to like all the independence days of countries that used to be part of the Commonwealth. They're all like very close <laughs> to each other in quite succession. Yeah. And it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, because yeah. it was literally dropping like flies one by one, yeah. like we can't afford That's why we can refer to that entire period as mm. the wave of decolonization. Literally like post-1945 yeah. until the like the early crippled. 60s yeah mm-hmm. they were crippled like Literally, country by country just yeah. um it was gonna happen like it yeah. was gonna happen because of the efforts of the natives the world war had just expedited the process it made yeah. it absolutely impossible now for britain to govern to continue yeah. governing these they places they couldn't really put up that fight in the right, sense of right. like no they didn't have material resources yeah. they didn't have morale like they did they just didn't, they didn't even have the manpower mm. at that point either yeah. um which side note you know whenever anyone if anyone ever tries to make out that the em- empire ended by way of uh, british benevolence it's not the case it's not the case what they're like britain um, was like you know what we've done wrong here yeah okay. but who, that's what who, pe- that's what people make out that? people make and you know like not um, not just with the colonialism i hear this argument all the time with slavery all the time because a uh, britain abolished slavery before america right so now like a lot of british people love to is everything all right yes yeah, sorry just went out of it there but i think oh I think it was probably the headphones. Am I all right? Am yeah, I, yeah. So like, a lot of British people love to like lord Britain for for abolishing slavery. Like, say they were not the ones that that created it in the first place. Like, <laughs> who, who, did, who did? So many. Like, I see it all the time. I see it all the time. Like, actually, Britain abolished it first, and we did this, and we did that. Like, mm-mm. well, well, well done. You yeah. abolished. <laughs> finished what you started like. one of my one of my like someone tweeted something like that one time like a really famous person and i quote tweeted it saying if i um had well this is not how i phrased it but i can't say what i want to say on camera but like if i had sexual relations with your father and then i stopped having sexual relations with your father would you be pleased that i stopped or would you be annoyed that i had sexual relations with your father in the first place why do you always have to bring up like, <laughs> it's just a great analogy like that's just how my brain works you know it helps me contextualize things in my yeah. mind but yeah that, that makes a lot of sense you know what i mean yeah um but going back to um this like post-world yeah, war ii <laughs> we digress <laughs> um so you might notice there's a, like a little bit of time. Obviously, World War Two ended nineteen forty five. Yeah. Wasn't until nineteen forty seven that um they promised actually... uh, they promised independence before the World War. Mm. Actually, they said yeah, like it's gonna happen because like they were already crippled at that point. Yeah. Um, so they said that just 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 let's get through this war, and then we'll yeah. we'll sort sort you guys out. We'll do this partition. We'll sort it out. But you see what Britain did, yeah, it was. Because, like you say, they'd be making this promise to this person, that promise to that person, all of this. They were like, they realised, 
we can't do this yeah. in a way like if we're gonna like split it up into a hindu state or hindu majority state muslim majority state we can't do this without um like if if we say what if we say something then we're just going to be accused of being favoritist towards hindus or favoritist towards muslims yeah so their solution to this was to get someone in who had literally never like it's a it's a quote that he'd never gone east of paris mm-hmm. before this his mm-hmm. name was um cyril no nah, not even man man was viceroy he was there all the time he was it, the one that did part of... oh radcliffe radcliffe yeah. oh radcliffe yeah, okay exactly. okay so radcliffe is the one who actually drew yeah, the, line, the line yeah the yeah, one yeah, who yeah, like yeah. decided where the boundaries are gonna be and he had and never... they did it and they did it in one sitting exactly he had never been yeah. like anywhere um, he'd never been east of Paris. He literally did not have any idea what he was doing. Yeah. But Brit- Britain's argument was, we're going to put him in charge of this that because, fresh yeah, fresh eyes. It's going to be neutral. Like you, no one can accuse him of being biased towards this person or that person. And they actually discouraged him from having advisors, like ridiculous. on the situation, yeah. because they say if he they said if he did, then he'd be persuaded one way or the other. Um. And there was also, obviously, there was the time pressure on it. They wanted it to be done ASAP because they literally could not afford to be out there anymore. They literally needed to mm-hmm, get it mm-hmm, done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In fact, there was literally... Um, United Nations actually avoided um, partaking in the actual decision because they were like, we want it to get, get it done ASAP. So if we actually like take part in the decision it'll be longer it's gonna be longer like it's it's all very selfish it's crazy isn't it like you guys had time to spend centuries desecrating the land but now it's time to like departure properly you want to just leave everything up in the air like not give a this is a centuries old like conflict this is a centuries old history it's absolutely fraught with tension because of what you man spent 400 Mm. years doing and Mm. instead for you to deal with it with sensitivity and understanding and like compassion and patience you're just you literally in one sitting drew a line here drew a line there that's it this is the thing as well like apparently radcliffe lived by the um truism that no matter what i do people are gonna suffer so that's it that's his way of making it feel um nice about it but yeah not your people exactly that's why you don't care but we can't the thing is we can't even historically look back on it and try to understand the thought process behind it because he actually destroyed all of his papers before leaving mm-hmm. India, which yep. if that doesn't look, sound suspicious, yep. then what does? He literally left India on Independence Day, so on Indian Independence Day, the fifteenth of August, mm-hmm. nineteen forty-seven. He even admitted that yep. he wanted to leave ASAP because he couldn't hack the climate. Like he literally, like he it was too hot for him, yeah. basically. So, like you say, it was all done in one sitting, and representatives from India and Pakistan mm-hmm. were given two hours mm-hmm. to look over it mm-hmm. before it was then confirmed these are the boundaries that are going to be done it's crazy like, it's crazy and um, then to top it all off obviously britain were then like yeah bye we'll see you later we're done here they left it to the indian and pakistani governments to actually implement the borders that they had decided yeah yeah like i mountbatten actually did put together a punjab boundary force um but it was 50,000 um, strong. Obviously, in a, such a densely populated um, 
country like India and also Pakistan, you're not going to actually... Like, no, you, obviously, 50,000 people isn't really going to do anything mm-hmm. when you think about... Especially seeing as so many of these conflicts are actually happening in the rural areas right. as well. Right. Like, uh, so. I think there's, there's, there's so much, like... Um, anger right and there's such an injustice that was done like with partition that often we lose the sense of tragedy like we mm. lose the, we, we forget the fact that it is first and foremost an absolute travesty it is one of the largest forced migrations in the world it was what was it 12 million people yeah 10, 10 to 12 million 10 to 12 yeah. million people um millions others that were because okay so okay, I, I just realized we didn't yeah, actually I was explain like, we why that was <laughs> we didn't actually explain what happened so so they drew the lines and basically so so now for example if if um they've said you know pakistan is the boundary for on the on the west and the east side is the boundary for like, the muslims and the, and the in between is the boundary for, for hindus if you were a hindu that found yourself on the in the in the muslim boundary obviously you would have to like you either either stay in in a place where like you're not your people are not there your community is not there or you have to forcefully move from a place where like your entire your ancestors have been for forever right mm-hmm. um and partition was not just a geographical kind of like movement either you know it was not just it wasn't just but it wasn't a case of boundary making it was a case of community making it was a case of identity making the very identity of being pakistani of being Indian in exactly the sense that we see it today came about in 1947 these are sometimes we forget and we speak about them uh, speak about these identity constructs as though they're a given and they're not they're very very new mm. they're very very new and they are all as I keep saying they are all this is a key piece of information they're all colonial constructs pa- mm. Britain created Pakistan Britain created India as we know now right mm-hmm. so 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 now 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 it, like I said it is not just a case of boundary making it's a case of community and identity making and and these people are um to, to know yourself means you must know like you to know yourself you know your enemy right it's not just it's not just like community in and of itself is a community who is against this community and against that community so now as people are moving um this whole time like because they've spent like um the the britain created you know the the this rhetoric of like villainizing the the opposite community um and because of the communalism that had like uh, sold the seeds of like partition mm-hmm. partition the act of partition itself was extremely extremely violent mm-hmm. um there was like again to give like a literal case example this has actually affected my family like my literal mm-hmm. grandparents have taught me about this so um both my um grandparents on my dad's side were affected by partition my family is from my i'm cindy so that's Mm -hmm. roughly the area um of south pakistan yeah east south pakistan around there so my family uh, for those that don't know my um, family history is hindu so my family was all based there um it's my understanding that my great granddad was a doctor so he and i think he actually worked um within the british raj and was actually like a respected figure in that Mm -hmm. sense um however i think when we talk about like how this had been going on for uh, like the seeds have been sown i think with my granddad's um family they actually moved like i think two years before partition even happened showing like how this was actually happening but in their communities told me so many times about how um i think it was a muslim friend actually came and gave his shotgun to them and said 
take this mm. you you need, you need to you need, you need to yeah. go like mm-hmm. now like if you stay here mm-hmm. if you're here this time tomorrow they're going to kill you yeah. sort of thing yeah. so literally this mass migration happens because my dad was born in mumbai he's mm. obviously like mm. very yeah. far away yeah. in terms of my grandma as well like she's told me about like um getting the train from um, karachi and just seeing all these trains filled with dead bodies it's, going it's cr- like it's crazy and it's just it's horrific to mm-hmm. even Think comprehend and just to like and again i i was trying to think about how you can describe this to someone and i was going to say like oh yeah like imagine like manchester if you split it in half and said manchester united one side manchester city the other side and then all the other teams right. just have to deal it but then even then i was like even you know that's what? not yeah, yeah i was like you i can't even use that example yeah. because it's so it's, it's a football so team is not the same exactly. as your intrinsic identity exactly. right it's so far it's so much more than it that. just goes to show like ha, ha, like like the, the fact that we we don't have like okay not as personally but like if you're describing it to like a british person that there's nothing that 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 you can even compare it to there's nothing that comes even close to helping contextualize what the case was on the ground at the time mm-hmm. so to to get this right, you're ethnically Sindhi, right? Yeah. That's crazy. That's actually crazy yeah. for you to be ethnically Sindhi yeah. and not have access to the, and to not be in the Sindh. Yeah, and like I've always thought, like, oh yeah, it'd be nice to go back there, but I'm also like, what would go like, back to what? Exactly. Like, so I feel like all my um, familial roots mm. there will have been completely mm. gone. Up, gone. Yeah. And I know that when I know my granddad when they came to Mumbai, they were in a in refugee camp for a while, mm. and they went literally, like I said, from being respected figures in pre- to being stateless yeah, to, to being homeless, yeah, yeah. literally having to build things up all over again. Mm. And that's just one story. And, and, and you know what? That's a, that's a lucky. Story I was about as to well. say, yeah. as horrid as it was for them, they 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 were the lucky ones. Like that's yeah. a good example. Like yeah. you know, like because they made it, like they they survived and and. And they were able to build themselves back up from what I understand. But like, yeah. there's so many, so like, when like it, when you say the figure 12 million, when you say it like that, you actually don't deep the, the, the depth and the severity of it. But uh, guys, 12 million individuals were displaced. I don't know what the, the, the death toll is, but I, I would hazard it's in the millions again. Okay. Um, I'm going to look it up now. So it was a case where literally, like, if you were a Hindu and you were passing through, like, Muslim villages, there would just be bare violence. If you were a Muslim and you're passing through Hindu villages, like, there's a very good chance you're not coming out alive. You know, Hindus and Muslims were literally... And Sikhs as well. Sorry, my bad. Sikhs as well, because obviously... Yeah. So partition, the, the the geographical lines of partition happened um, through Punjab and through Bengal. So that's where the that's where the two lines of partition were. Um, and, 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 and obviously, like the three major religions, Sikhs, Hindus and, and Muslims, slaughtering each other, absolutely slaughtering each other, like openly in the streets. Mm. And the thing is, uh, the fact that the line was actually drawn through Punjab, which is where so many Sikhs are actually right. based. And th- I think as well, like, you've got to feel for obviously Sikhs for being like, well, what about us? What are we meant to do? And what I also think about is, um, what are they called? The begins with an m the christians that go over there to try and convert missionaries Missionary, the missionary the british missionaries that went over to the indian subcontinent to try and convert people to christianity to then leave 
and leave this all the, these Christian communities yeah. which are created literally right. by Britain right. Right. in this ensuing violence. And they, no Chris, sense of Chris, belonging. Yeah. You don't know help. No kind of. Yeah, these Christians were slaughtered as well, like yeah. because they they literally were seen as not belonging. If you're not, right. if you if you don't have not, a native religion. Yeah, exactly. You know? If you're not part of, if you're in the Hindu or Muslim state and you're not that religion one. you're yeah. in danger at this point right right uh, you know what actually carlos thanks for bringing that up because yeah often we speak so much about muslims and hindus and sikhs and pakistanis and indians we don't speak enough about the the minorities because of so so now when um this was a particular like i know more about this in the eastern border so obviously as like, like we said partition happened in through punjab and through bengal um and in the bengal kind of in the eastern eastern border where bengal is um Again, it was the same thing. It was very extremely, extremely violent where the Hindus were all going to uh, West Bengal and the Muslims were all moving to Bangladesh. Um, but there was also other minorities. So, for example, Biharis spe- specifically, they're an ethnic group. They're from the state of Bihar, which is close to like Bengal. Um, and there was a lot of Bihari people that were living in and around Bengal. And they were like... Um, massively massively like persecuted during this time um, because they weren't seen as belonging to either group because it was so, such a binary right it was such a binary it was so polarized these Biharis were not seen as belonging to either group they were massively persecuted they were like the refugee camps were full of Biharis like and that's just one example that I know from the top of my head but it was the case where Again, India is, you know, the subcontinent, sorry, is such a diverse place. There's so many religions, so many, like, ethnicities and so many, like, ethno-linguistic groups um, that you can't categorize something so neatly as Hindu, Muslim, Pakistani, Indian, Bengali, Sikh, you know, like, mm. and, and, and anyone who didn't fall into those neat binaries, like, they were persecuted. So it's not actually just an attack on Muslims by Hindus and Hindus by Muslims and Sikhs. It was an attack on anyone who was... Who, who was from like a minority identity identity mm-hmm. um and 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 we actually will never be able to comprehend the violence of partition we just will not like i'm talking about lynchings i'm talking about people being decapitated on the street i'm talking about people being shot left right and center and um, people being uh, and and one thing as well that i really want to speak about is women like what happened to women because women were um kidnapped lynched murdered raped at on mass like on mass so when i was at cambridge obviously i did modern south asian studies right and one of my really good friends she's a pakistani girl her her dissertation her her thesis was actually about the abduction and the recovery of um, muslim pakistani women and 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 she did like a field work um like a, a a first person like research project and she was basically talking to women in pakistan who had been kidnapped um whether that's being kidnapped and brought to Pakistan, being kidnapped and taken to India, then to be bought, to then be recovered and taken to um, Pakistan again, like, um, yeah, like, the, the, and this is the case that that always happens whenever there's any kind of depravity, especially like depravity of like you know physical violence and war. Women always, always, always bear the brunt of it because then people are like, it's a free for all. Women were raped on mass. They were kidnapped, abducted. Um, it's just it yeah like i said we will never be able to really truly comprehend the Mm. violence of partition um and often when we think about you know the independence day of pakistan and the independence day of india we see it as such like a benign like a 
like a benign yeah. holiday, you know, yeah, like time oh, to wave the flag, like, right? Sort of thing, but right, and e- and even even and, and and in Britain as well, they see it as a that's a Pakistani holiday, that's an Indian holiday. It's very 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 much British history. Mm-hmm. It is very much British history, um, and it's it's a massive shame that that this huge, like almost apocalyptic event happened, and it has affected, like hundred oh, yeah, billions. It was um fifteen million dis- displaced and around two million died. Right, yeah. right, and 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 that's just that's just that that's not even accounting for the people today who have been affected mm. by it. Like like even you, for example, being sat here right now, right? Yeah, like I, I the reason I'm alive today is like because of that, like because mm-hmm. of the way the things played out. And right. if if they hadn't been lucky, I wouldn't be here. It's right, simple. exactly, like, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um. And 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 the like this huge event happened that to today is still affecting billions of people, like in terms of their their legacies and their histories, and Brits are just so unaware. Yeah, that's she's so unaware. I had to obviously this is my um, family history, so I knew um, parts of it um, from the mouths of my family. However, I literally had to go to uni and actively choose to. Uh, pick a module on this which is very much british history Uh i had to pick to choose this just so that i could actually from an academic perspective actually learn more about it Uh and i'm I'm really glad that i did but i'm also i'm like why did i spend like why did i I literally like studied like world war ii around like three times and like never never heard anything about any of this oh my god i think learn the the names of henry the eighth's wives like every bloody year we can go in i've learned about the nazis every year since since like year nine till year 13 i learned about the nazis every year I mean, we're gonna have to cut it off there before we go into all of the things about like education, yeah. etc. But if you want to know more about um, partition, there's so many more resources online where you can educate yourself. Yeah. So we've got maybe around 15 minutes to discuss this final topic. So Alima, I know you brought this up, so do you want to take yeah. the head on it? Yeah. Um, so obviously we've spoken about partition, um, and I wanted to speak more specifically about how because you saw i made the point before it wasn't just a case of boundary making it was like identity making as well right and i wanted to speak about how um how the legacy of partition lives on particularly in like the diaspora and particularly the uk diaspora because obviously that's my own kind of context um uh, in terms of the relationships between india and pakistan and and bangladesh like obviously if you don't live under a rock you know that india and pakistan particularly have a lot of tension between them like so much tension between the two countries um and also if you don't live under a rock like you will know that there uh, in india there's a massive problem with you know far right uh, hindutva violence extre- far right extremism basically um and fascism um and you know the anti-muslim pogroms and and all that kind of stuff and and i wanted to again point out how this is very much a colonial hangover um so just a bit of context like for people who don't really know what's going on in india right now um the bjp the ruling party who you know modi's the head of um they are a far-right like extremist group um they they abide by a politics called hindutva which is like hindu extremism like hindu fascism basically um where 
they believe in like a rigid, rigid, a very rigid, a very muscular kind of uh, notion of Hinduism and the idea that uh, India is the spiritual and ancient homeland of the Hindu people and anyone who doesn't belong or anyone who doesn't fit this kind of, you know, idea is basically they need to be purged. They don't belong there. It's the same thing as like Britain and like how they believe that Britain needs to be for like white people. You yeah, know, where they learn it from. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um but in India, uh, the repercussions are a bit mad because, um, like, in, in... I mean, it's wrong anywhere, but, like, in Britain, like, it's not that I can say I'm, I'm native to England, right? But then, like, Muslims are native to India. So, mm. so like, the, 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 the way that it, it manifests is a little slightly different and, and, and maybe because of that even more sinister. But the reason why Hindutva, Hindutva and, like, Hindu far-right extremism even came about, came about was because... You know, in the in the wake of decolonization, where India is now for the first time its own distinct ent- entity, um, it, you know, it's autonomous, it's self-governing. Um, they were grappling for a sense of identity, and obviously, the identity that was given to them was Hindu majority. So essentially, what they did was they, um, you know, they went way, way, way back into the India's past, and they and they said that you know this is like the mystical kind of spiritual homeland of the native Hindus, and and this is what India India is special for. This is what is you know that's india's identity basically um and thus began as i said a program of uh hindu chauvinism um and we see that very much in the way in the regional context the way that hindu like sorry um the way that india i'm 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 gonna start like mixing up my words, by the way, guys, because like my anemia is starting to hit me. <laughs> but in the, we see it in the way that India interacts with Pakistan, we see it in the way that India interacts with Bangladesh, um, and its Muslim population as well, and we see it in the diaspora in the relationship between the India uh, Indians, British Indians, British Pakistanis, British Bengalis specifically. I've spoken before about um. The I don't well, actually no I don't know if I have spoken about it before the about the fact that I have a problem with the with the label British Indian. I think you said about British Asian. Before. Sorry, British Asian. Yeah. Sorry, not British Indian. This is what yeah. I mean. I'm gonna start getting my words wrong now because I'm tired. But, um, British Asian. Yeah. So so in the same way that that the that the Brits went over to the subcontinent and they unified the subcontinent under the British Raj, it's a very similar thing where we have one overarching label of like British Asian and actually it doesn't account for the fact that like we have very very different socio political stances based on what country we're actually from and specifically with Indians. Um, I mentioned before about, you know, like Priti Patel and Sajid Javid and Rishi Sunak and all of these people. I know Sajid, Sajid Javid is Pakistani, right? Yeah, I would yeah, think so. Yeah. Um, it's generally, it? generally, it's, it's, yeah. it's whenever there's a prominent South Asian Tory politician, like 99% of the time they are Indian. Yeah. Um, and it's very interesting to see the positions that Indians take in British society. I'm gonna refer to like um the found uh, like a a, a a inquiry by the Runny Me Trust, um that found that for every one pound that white Brits have, Indians have ninety two pence, Pakistanis have fifty pence, and Bangladeshis have ten pence. Now that that translates into the socio-political standing of each community um, and their political alliances. 
and Indians are very, very much, um, well, generally, obviously, again, like, I'm not speaking for every single case, but generally, they are, they are, um, they, I don't know how to say it without, like, coming across as being, like, antagonistic or offensive. I think, I think, in all the South Asians, I think Indians are the ones with most distinct British sensibilities. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I um, agree with that. You know, they are, they are the, they are the demographic that are more concerned with like assimilating into British culture, most accepting of like British culture who more authentically see themselves as British, you know, distinctly as British. Yeah. It's like um, for example, if you say to me um, an example of um someone who's trying to um work their way into a high earning job where they um are expected to adhere to certain british um uh-huh, uh-huh. policy etc uh-huh. immediately i think of someone like rishi sunak who's right. like obviously indian you tell uh-huh. me um about if you say I, I i don't know what it is but i don't i don't think it's stereotyping when no. you say that when you think about someone um pakistanis or um bangladeshi people you just don't, you don't have that and that's because there's not there's really not that many of them actually yeah. in those positions yeah 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 and 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 of course there's a relationship there between the the socio-political situation of those demographics and um for example uh, oh god it's gone from my mind now like for example when you, that is why indians for example they are higher earners they have better jobs they are more educated um it's big, and 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 it does speak to the speak to how british people see them and how they see uh, british identity and this is ve- this very 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 much mirrors the colonial context at the time of colonization right mm. um and and this separation the distinctions between like the communities of indians and pakistanis and bengalis um it comes from it's, it's an export you know like the, the the tensions and the conflicts between these communities is exported from from the subcontinent and it's and and those things as we've spoken about today come from the colonial context um so for me this this is just interesting to see and and for me it's on the one hand it's annoying because i would like for south asians to be able to mobilize together um, you know, I would like, for example, like Indians, um, particularly to kind of and 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 I say this as well because, in my experience, um, I've been personally quite disappointed in seeing certain British Indians that I know that I grew up with that I was friends with, you know, at a point in time, to see them openly support Modi, for example. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually crazy the amount of British Indians that I know that support Modi, yeah. And I and I um and the thing is is I know it's even from a place of ignorance. I know it's from a place of ignorance because they they don't they're not on the ground in India, and I don't assume that they know many Indian Muslims for them to know actually what is going on, um, but for me that is that is really really disappointing and very disheartening to see because it's like okay we already know there's such a dis- difference in our communities, but to you know to openly champion someone like Modi is very much kind of like a us and them kind of situation mm-hmm. so you know on the one hand like I do I do, my hopes for the community are that we're able to like mobilize together um but then on the other hand I am also very protective of like Bangladeshis just because of the way that Bangladeshi people are treated again in the regional context and also in the diaspora context um so for me I'm kind of like very much like I put that community first um 
but yeah like i mean there's not really much to say it's just interesting isn't it like and and, and like really sad as well to see the fact that partition happened but the legacy of partition is still being played out in diaspora communities i think the thing that's quite interesting is that you will see a lot more in the diaspora i think a lot more of the generation after so what's there's boomers and then there's what is it generation x is that the next one Gen Z, no millennial, no boomers, millennials, Gen Z. No, nah, but oh, is there one, in between? There's, yeah, there's an in between. Oh, the in between. I think they're called Generation X. Oh, I did not between know that. Between boomers, because boomers ends in the early 1960s. So basically, the children, basically, of those who were the young youngest affected by partition, I think that generation possibly holds more resentment than the mm-hmm. people who are actually there present at partition in current mm. day, and. It is just crazy because I will see so many um, in Indian people, for example, who have that sort of resentment for Pakistani people, and it's not even a it's not even a Hindu Muslim thing. It is literally Pakistan. Right. Like it's right. that idea right. that right. it's just like that it that that does it just doesn't. It just doesn't add up. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. And yeah, like I said, it's, a, it's an export. Like these these views and these these sentiments have been exported literally from the homeland, mm. and they've not let them go. But that's because like that's because the, the 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 politics that created those relationships in in the in the subcontinent, those politics are still very much in play here. You know, like this whole divide and conquer thing is still very very much at play here because like I spoke about Indians. Let's even talk about there's there's material sta- figures and stats to 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 depict the differentiating kind of like standing of both communities but we can also talk about like perception what which community which demographic is held up as the model minority and mm-hmm. which community is um deprived denied over surveillance over persecuted you know yeah the it, stats yeah, literally exactly. speak for themselves i you know what i was just thinking as well it's the fact that the um what's it called derogatory term is for Pakistanis, isn't it? Right, it's right. Not, it's not, we're not around, going around calling people Indies, are we? Right, you know right, I mean? exactly, so, exactly, mm. exactly. And at that time, so at the time when, when you know, that, that, that slur came about, um, it was before Bangladesh was created. So it's when it was West Pakistan and East Pakistan. And those two places were the Muslim, Muslim, like we also can't separate the conversations of Islamophobia from, from, from mm. when we, when we think about how, how Indians are treated and how Pakistanis and Bengalis are treated. Um, because like I said, um, which which community is the model minority indians are seen as model minority communities and which communities are over surveillance and over persecuted pakistanis and bengalis are literally the stats are there if you look at any like if you look at poverty rates you look at um uh employment rates you look at housing statistics you look at um like um uh, uh prosecution rates you know things like that like there's such a grave difference and it's like it's actually mental like how how can how can the rates of stop and searches for pakistanis and bengalis be such seismically so seismically higher than indians when um visually we look the same it's not Mm. as though a a british person would be able to look at me and look at Mianka and know who is like indian and who is bengali yeah well yeah, British person, yeah. Right. I mean, exactly. we can, yeah, yeah. I would be able to tell. That's but, like, a British person can't, and they're the ones who are enforcing yeah. these things. And it's like, for example, when we talk in the context of partition, 
me, for example, if I was to put on the map where my ethnic line is from right now, it's it would say it's Pakistani. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's what I mean. Like the identities are so, so. These things are all normative. Is the point I'm making? They're all normative. These are all constructs. They've all been implemented and they've all been like sustained. Um, so, you know, when we think about the, the again the legacy of partition, we need to stop thinking about it as a history that has gone. It's not. It's a history that is still very much playing out today. I think, like, us as the next generation who are maybe a bit more eager to just get along, in that mm. sense, just to kind of progress and mo- actually mobile, like you're saying, like, it would be great if, um, I know you don't like the term, but British Asians could mobile. If it meant something, yeah. yeah. Like, I would I would love for it to mean something. It just, unfortunately, right now, doesn't. Mm-hmm. And that's where we have to go, guys. So, like... Yeah. We, and uh, let's be honest, guys. We're like born in the nineties. Let's not like, let's not reproduce like, old hatred. Yeah, exactly. When at the end of the day, it, the where we are now might be a re a, a product of that situation. But at the end of the day, the actual first hand um, violence, etc. We were not subject to that. If you see someone who is of a different ethnic origin, you do not know like that they're automatically going to think this or that just treat everyone with kindness and respect and hopefully and hold british people accountable for yeah, like what has man. actually happened like that's yeah, the man. takeaway from this but yeah, yeah we're probably gonna have to round it off there but uh thank you for <coughs> pulling through lima despite the blood loss <laughs> thank you thank you thank you and yeah we'll be back next week with more chats more good tunes Shout out Simran, who's currently at a stepbrother's wedding. Oh, I've just quickly seen her snaps. Like, I'm going to be living vicariously through her, her Instagram. 